Welcome, my fellow humans, to another episode of the Healthy Happy Human Podcast, the show where I teach you how to live healthy, be happy, and lead an all-around full and fulfilled life. With new episodes each and every week, I bring you industry-leading experts, thought leaders, and all-around brilliant minds on topics ranging from mindset to nutrition to habit building to fitness and more. My goal is to help you get from where you are to where you want to be in life. I'm happy to have you here. Now let's dive in. What's up team? Thank you for joining me. I am back with another episode. On today's episode, I am talking to Dr. Andy Chen. Dr. Andy is a doctor of physical therapy based out of New York City. And I really love Andy's whole worldview and the way he views physical therapy and treatment, but also strength training and mindset, and he melds them all really well. I followed Andy for a long time on Instagram, and I just really love everything he talks about. This conversation did not disappoint. We do talk a little bit about the actual technical side of physical therapy, but very, very little. It really is more about mindset. It's about Andy's story and how he took a really windy road to get to the success that he's had today. We talk about things like the importance of upstreaming and the benefit of self-determination. And Andy's really important message that he's trying to get across and that he dedicates all of his time to. So I think this is going to be a great talk. You guys are really going to enjoy this one. Before we get started, a reminder, I am opening up my six-week mindset shift course for enrollment at the end of the month. So if you are interested in learning how to get out of your own way, how to break down the mental barriers that are holding you back from creating lasting behavior change and implementing new healthy habits, this is the course for you. The link is in the show notes to sign up for the waitlist. I only open the course to a handful of people each time, so make sure you get on the waitlist so you'll be notified right away. As always, screenshot this. Tag it me on Instagram, me and Dr. Andy. Show the love, spread the love. Let me know that you're listening to this. Let me know that you're getting some value out of it. Subscribe, share, all that fun stuff. So once again, thank you for listening and enjoy this episode with Dr. Andy Chen. Andy, how are you doing today? Good, man. Just a little chilly here in New York, but otherwise solid. Just for the people listening, we've spoken before. I've reached out to you on Instagram. I've been following you for a while. Um, I really love the stuff that you're doing specifically around the content you're putting out around educating people um, and also just the style of training you do. I'm very appreciative because, uh, you know, you're a physical therapist, you know, but also strength trainer, but also a lot of the mindset stuff, which is what I'm very interested in. And the, in, I think you speak in a very real way that's very helpful to people. Um, so the first question that I always start everyone with is just to tell everyone listening your origin story. You know, where are you now and how did you get there? Yeah, so right now I'm a practicing physical therapist at Performance House. I work under the company Reload Physical Therapy. And, you know, everything kind of started. I always give this kind of story because it's how I got into training. Uh, senior year of high school, there was a bodybuilding competition at the end of the year. And me personally... At the start of senior year, I was probably 115 pounds, same height I am now. And now I weigh 160, but I was a stick. <laughs> so 
at the start of the year, I was like, hey, I'm going to join that bodybuilding competition. I'm going to bulk up and start training. And, you know, near the end of the year, I, I bulked up to like 140, cut down to 135, and I did the bodybuilding competition. And that's kind of where I got hooked with training. Um, I kept working out throughout college, but I never really knew what I wanted to do. Went from business school, then I studied psychology, and then I started, I got injured. I got something like a median nerve entrapment, some carpal tunnel-like kind of symptoms on my right side. And I went to see a physical therapist and I went there for about four weeks, saw a ton of progress in my symptoms, numbness and tingling went away. And I just remember how happy she was to see me progress. And I've never felt that before with another healthcare provider. I've never seen someone so invested in my health. And I knew from that point on, I'm like, wow, this is something I can see myself doing. I looked around in the clinic and everybody was happy. Everybody was having a great time interacting with their patients. And from the literature, you know that most people get interrupted within 10 seconds of seeing their healthcare provider. So the experience I had was just, I was, I was blown away. So after that, I started shadowing at the clinic. And at that time, I was not doing well in school because I just kind of, you know, went everywhere. So I graduated with a pretty low GPA, ended up working as an aide at a clinic in Manhattan while taking extra courses on the side. And eventually I got enough enough uh, credits and everything else to improve my GPA. And I got into school at the University of St. Augustine, was in Miami for almost three years, graduated, and here I am. New York practicing and doing the thing. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I love that story. Um, I think that's actually very interesting. You're, I think you're like the third or fourth uh, physical therapist that I've interviewed for this podcast. And every single one has said has this, their story has been that they got hurt and had a really good exper experience with their physical therapist. And that's what inspired them to be a physical therapist. So I just think that's like an interesting thing. It kind of shows like how much impact that physical therapists have on people and can have, you know, it's like you were inspired by your physical therapist and then you became one. And now how many hundreds of thousands of people are you going to, you know, affect and possibly inspire and change the, the course of their lives. You know, I think that's an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. That, I never even thought about that because every single physical therapist, I would say like a majority that I know honestly had the same experience. So yeah. it's probably yeah. a very common pattern. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's funny because I always say like as a personal trainer and a strength coach, it's funny that like trainers have the, a, a similar route. It's always like I was either overweight or underweight and then I got into shape and then I saw it. So it's like, it's this similar when you start to dig into the way people get started in this thing. Um, it, it's always tends to be similar, but I like that, uh, your story, uh, because I always am appreciative of people who took a more winding road to success, you know, and it wasn't like, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be a doctor from the time I was 10 years old. And I, you know, I went at 17, I went to college for pre-med and then I went to medical school and then I graduated. It's like, no, nah, like you floundered around a bit and you had to figure it out and you, you did business and you did psychology, but in a roundabout way, I think that from looking at your stuff, all of that has had a big impact because again, I see when you talk the way you use psychology and, and the way, you know, you, you speak. Uh, to people's motivation and things like that. So I'm wondering, like, do you think that it's it was a better way for you to go to take like the long route, or or do you think that it's better for people to have one fixed uh, destination and work on it right from the beginning? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, like, I don't think I'd be where I am. You know, I've made 
I don't want to say terrible decisions growing up, <laughs> but you know, they're not like ideal for someone that wants to become like in go into a doctor profession. Meaning I had to take summer classes. I had to work at school uh, and you had to go to classes after work and do all of these things. So it wasn't fun by any means, but I think all those experiences kind of, you know, when you work hard towards something that you really want to accomplish and you finally get it, it becomes like more meaningful. And when you can finally, uh, when you can finally figure out what it is you really want, then everything else becomes kind of easier to do. Meaning quote unquote suffering, but like, Hey, I'm going to have less free time to do things like watch TV and, you know, play sports, whatever you want to do. Cause I have to really dig into these books and get better so I can improve my, you know, improve my GPA, get into the school I want to get into. So taking the long winding route for me, it just makes me more grateful for where I am because looking back at where I was, Five years ago in undergrad, you know, I was in academic probation two semesters. Uh, I just didn't think I can be a physical therapist. So being able to be where I'm at now, just I'm just appreciative just having the degree, you know. Everything yeah. else now is just icing on the top. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And I think that that's super important, uh, what you just mentioned, uh, for the people listening about how when you find that thing, it's, it, everything becomes so much easier, even if that thing is hard. Right. It's like when you find the thing that you really want to commit to, because I was the same way I went through, I went through undergrad and then even years after where I just had no clue. I had no direction with life. And I was just kind of like, like I wasn't unsuccessful, but I wasn't successful. I was just kind of like flopping around and just like, you know, like I, I just didn't know. But then once I found where I wanted to be, which is the whole, yeah, fitness, but the whole psychology side and the whole, you know, motivation and personal development and that stuff that I, I became so passionate about, it became easy for me to, like you said, to read the textbooks and stuff. So I always, I always point out that things like that, people would look at that. They're like, Oh, you spend time, like your free time reading textbooks or like you could be out having fun. But I'm like, that's, it's freeing because it allows you to push everything else away and kind of put those blinders on, you know? And like, that is a way that for you, like for someone else looking at you, you know, from the outside of your friends who you would have been out doing stuff with, or like, not, you know, like that you had to say no to something, like you said, say no to Netflix or say no to some nights out drinking because you were too busy studying. They might be like, Oh, like, well, that sucks. But like, to you, you're like, now this is like my life now. And this is, I'm so passionate about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's like, that's the big thing for me was, I think I, you know, I wasn't where I wanted to be because I didn't sacrifice enough. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't expect the results by putting half the work. So me realizing that like, say, all right, I have to work a little bit harder now because, you know, there's kids that knew they wanted to be a physical therapist probably since high school or something. They've worked to get into like a three years in undergrad, three years in graduate program. So it's a three plus three opposed to me doing four years in grad, taking a year off to meet, you know, that GPA requirement, then getting into grad school. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, it's a long winding road, but you learn a lot of lessons. And I still think those lessons can, you know, what I learned during those years are the same things that I can kind of teach to pe people, clients, patients that I work with. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it might not be the ideal journey. You know, you might have surgery, you might have all these other factors going on, but as long as we're still chipping away at where we want to be, every single day we get a little bit better. Yeah, 100%. I love that to that last bit too, because exactly like you say, I say this all the time, that like everything is a metaphor for everything. So it's like your route to getting your degree is now a metaphor for someone's rehab. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, it might not be exactly like you thought it was going to be, but and be, only through having that life experience uh, were you able to kind of make that connection. And now, again, we come back to you'll be able to help so many more people and affect so many more lives because 
I would say when people think that things can only be one way, it's very self-defeating. Because if they like, yeah. oh, my rehab is has to is going to look like like you said, it's going to be surgery, and then it's going to be six weeks exactly of recovery, and then it's going to be, and then I'm done, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, as you know, things never really go as planned. So the question I have for you about that is like you, from what I've seen, again, I, I'm maybe just from the outside looking in, just from what I've gathered from your social media and things like that, and following you for time, you you seem to have taken a bit of a a different view on the rehab process as a whole you know, then I would see in a traditional physical therapist, like, let's do some internal external band rotations and, you know, see you next week, you know? So I'm just wondering, how do you see the view, your view of like rehab, prehab strength and the whole thing going in together and, and making like your special sauce? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things I always say, and I guess people always say they have a bunch of one-liners, but if it's required for performance and it's required for rehab, if it's required for rehab, then it's required for performance. So what that kind of means is when someone, when I'm working with someone, I got to figure out where they are at now. And I also have to figure out what their goals are. Then I have to reverse engineer what the demands of the goals are and figure out where they're at now in regards to those demands and then provide them with a buffer. Because again, you don't want to prepare someone for just what they need. You want to prepare them for more because most of the time you can't predict what's going to happen. And you know, the unpredictable thing is that you're going to experience probably more than you're, you're prepared for. So you might as well have that buffer. And for me going into like an evaluation, that's the first thing I got to figure out. You know, a lot of times people say, Hey, I just want to get out of pain. But I usually ask like if pain wasn't a factor, let's just say like you're in a perfect world. What does your life look like? Mm -hmm. How do you want to live? Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes it's tough because if you've been in pain for a couple of years, like you don't even know, like, Oh yeah, I guess like now that I think about it, I would love to be able to do this. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll ask like, Hey, you consider yourself weak. What's someone that's strong. What do you think they can do? Mm -hmm. Cause then I'm going to make you do that sooner or later. Yeah. Well, I'm going to relate this goal. Let's say if you can only do a banded external rotation, I'm going to relate that banded external rotation to like a 75, you no know, 70 to hundred pound overhead press or something. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. relate you doing a calf raise to being able to run again. Mm -hmm. So every single thing that I do, when I reverse engineer that goal, I'm going to relate it back to your goals. I want to make sure that you can see the steps from where you are at now to where you want to be. And there's a, you know, there's, there's a checklist, there's milestones along the way to know that you're making progress. And those are what I call like key performance indicators, KPIs. If they don't get better, you're not going to get better. Yeah. So this keeps them accountable because I'm giving you all the information. I'm putting the ball in your park and, you know, I'm hopefully I'm meeting you where you're at and then we can move together opposed to, you know, I'm going to fix you. Yeah. That's just, I, I don't, you know, I think what we do is mainly we guide people and we're coaches more than we are superheroes. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's kind mm -hmm. of how I approach rehab. Yeah, I love that. There's uh, so many different things I want to just riff off of off of what you just said. Um, the first one uh, is about you said about people that you you have bigger goals for people, and almost sometimes can be even bigger than than what they have for themselves. And people can get stuck in that. It, it, like you said, like you've been in pain for so long that sometimes you forget what it's like to not be in pain. And that's like one of my whole things, and not just with rehab, but with fitness in general, is that like. Most people, especially in, if you look at a westernized society like New York City or America, most people are so deconditioned and out of shape that they don't know what it is to feel like to truly be healthy. So it's like they have, they have this like 
I say it's like you're living life like in the negatives, you know, like, and it's like, they're thinking about just getting back to zero, but it's like, there's all this stuff over here of like, you could be plus a thousand if you, if you learn how to work hard. So I think that it's super important for people like you and doing exactly what you're doing that you're like, you, you don't accept that. Like, Oh, like, let me just get my knee function back. You're like, no, how about like we get your knee function back plus sprint a marathon or whatever the hell you, you do. I don't know what, I don't know what the goal is, you know? Yeah, that's exactly, you know, and it's kind of like if you ever read on like predictive processing or people's like perceptions, like I'm trying to change that perception of yourself as soon as possible from broken to capable. And once you can think like, hey, I might be able to do that, like I can do that goal, you're going to see that mindset change. But if someone keeps thinking they're broken, they're fragile, then I'm not going to, no matter what kind of exercise program you have, you're not going to change anything. You have to, you have to have some sort of milestone, some sort of like KPI that you're looking at. And they have to believe in it. And that's when you really create change from a predictive perception kind of thing. Because most of the time, you know, when you're in rehab, even the word rehab itself, it's like, oh, I'm broken. I need rehab. Yeah. So it's like just tri- changing everything to like, you know, sometimes I say it's training. Sometimes I say it's practice. But I want to make that person feel like they're in control. I want to make them feel stronger. Yeah, for sure. Just, um, I, just for the people listening, you've used the term KPI twice can you just explain what what exactly you mean by that and like what a few kpis might be for people who are kind of confused yeah for sure so let's say i always use running because running is a very easy one to kind of think about so what's running running is essentially you know hopping from one leg to the other so what do they need to be able to do in the very basic form they need to have calf strength so i look at single leg calf raises i'm looking for 30 reps on each side with a one second tempo going up and down then after that, I'm looking at your double leg pogos. Can you do a double leg pogo? Uh-huh. If you can do a double leg pogo, can you do a single leg pogo? Uh-huh. If you can't do a single leg pogo, but you can do a double leg, then I start doing a side to side pogo because now introduces a frontal plank component. Uh-huh. And then from a single leg pogo, we go into other things like skipping, sprinting, and slowly building up the vertical displacement of your, your lower limbs. Yeah. So I'm essentially just increasing the force that y- your body is absorbing with each step and seeing what you're capable of tolerating. Yeah. Tenders return to run protocols and stuff. But KPIs is something that I'm looking to see if you're capable of doing. So certain things are like, I typically want someone able, I typically need to see you able to like do these drills in order for you to perform and do those things because they replicate the demands of the sport. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm not sure if that answers the question. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a super specific example and I appreciate that. So, you know, like where I'm looking at it, again, I come back to everything is the same because keep KPIs, key performance indicators is like a business term. And it's like, if I have a goal of reaching X million dollars in sales this year, then that's a great goal. But it's like, now what gets me there? So you're talking about those little, like you were talking about in, in goal setting terms, like uh, action goals of like the, the steps that get you. If my goal is to run a marathon, that's a good goal to have. But now it's like, what are the individual smaller step goals that get me from where I am, which is right now not being able to even walk to getting to run a marathon. And that's like, you said, start with calf raises. Then we go to single leg, double leg hops, single leg hops, and blah, 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 blah. We use those as milestones. I think it was a word you used before where it's like, okay, before I move on to milestone three, I have to know that I can do milestone two. And before that, I have to know that I can do milestone one. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where we carve out the plan unintentionally. I'll tell them like, Hey, you're doing a calf raise today, but I know you can do a calf raise based on how the body responds to stress. You'll be able to do a double leg pogo soon. Mm-hmm. Likewise, if you can do a double leg calf raise, but you can't do a single leg calf raise because it might be bothering you. I know that if you do enough double leg calf raises that the body adapted at stress, you'll be able to do single leg. Yeah. You know, the body is very predictable. 
Yeah. If it keeps getting exposed to a stress, it's going to create a buffer for that stress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I, I like uh, exactly the, the, when you said before about having that buffer where it's, it's pushing yourself. This is, I mean, uh, in fitness terms, this is progressive overload, right? It's that you, you have to overload the system a little bit in order to give it a reason to adapt. So, you know, for the example that you're saying, you're like, when I see that you can do milestone one, I know you're ready for milestone two, because that's what the human body does. It, it, it adapts by giving you a little bit more buffer and a little bit more wiggle room. And it's just kind of this constant battle of you push a little and then it adapts and then you push to that new adaption point and then it adapts again and you just kind of keep going through this cycle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stimulus response adaptation. SRA, SRA is what we call it. Yeah, perfect. Um, so the next question I had, you actually just alluded to this before um, when you talked about you know how you speak to people because this is something I love about your Instagram is you speak a lot about language and you know the language that healthcare pro- providers use, the language that clients understand. So my question to you is, what does language have to do with rehab and fitness in general? I think when you think about how you communicate with someone and really reflect on it, because what, what you communicate only matters. Is, the only thing that matters about what you communicate is what they learn. Yeah. So if you speak in these very complex terms, they're not really getting anything out of it. But if you can speak more simply and you can make them understand the why behind everything, then you get more intent. Now they understand why they need to do these exercises. Now they might even do it on their own without you. But when you make it overcomplicated, like, hey, you know, I've, you hear so many times like, trainer will tell someone like, Hey, dorsiflex your foot, contract this, squeeze this. And you know, they didn't, they've never taken an anatomy class before. So like they have no idea what you're talking about. You know, sometimes I almost have to ask them like, what do you mean by hamstrings? Or what do you mean by quads? Cause sometimes they'll say my hamstrings are sore and they'll point to their thighs. Mm-hmm. But they, they don't even know. So it's always kind of double checking and making sure that what you're communicating really gets through to them. Cause I, I remember seeing a dermatologist and she was saying a bunch of words <laughs> to me and I was like you know being a healthcare provider but not having that kind of uh, integumentary and all that studies mm-hmm. on that stuff I just didn't know what she was talking about it sounded a lot worse than it really was mm-hmm. so I, I think about it the same way like when a doctor tells you you have patellofemoral pain it's like mm-hmm. okay so you have knee pain yeah you know what I mean? like um when you when you enter like when you see scripts that you get from like doctors instead of saying yeah. neck pain it says cervicalgia yeah and you know I think the lumbar one, like for the lower back, is like lumbago or something like that. And it, it just sounds like something super foreign, but yeah. it just back pain. Yeah, so. yeah, I think that's super important. It's, it can be, it's like scary. You know, if you're, you know, we, we get into these bubbles of healthcare providers or fitness professionals where it's like, I'm sure that your friends are in this world and they talk about things and they read studies and they like share, you know, the stuff you see on Instagram is the same stuff that, you know, and we all, and we start to forget that most people do not care. Most people do not care what a patellofemoral joint is or what a scapulohumeral rhythm is or anything like that. You know, and that's like my whole thing with this podcast is it's like, I want to bridge that gap between like, I understand how this stuff is all important because I see the direct link towards living a happier, healthier life. That's my whole thing. It's like, how do we make people kind of get to the point that it's like, it's not just like, like no one's using these words for fun. No one, no, like if I, I, the human body is like so complex. If you didn't, if it wasn't absolutely necessary to understand it for optimal human life, 
I don't think that anyone would be studying it so much. So I think that, you know, as providers or practice practitioners or whatever you want to call it, we kind of forget that. And we're just like, Oh yeah, like I like learning about knee pain, you know, so they'll, they'll know these words. And like you said, some people don't even know what a quad or a hamstring is. And I don't think that's anything like wrong. It's just, you know, I wouldn't know what a car engine part is. If, if, if I went to a mechanic, like there's just some people who are educated on certain things. Um, but I go back to what you were saying even before that about like saying things like you are injured or you are broken or something like that. And like, I'm wondering how you see like, like that kind of thing in terms of like how rehab goes from like, from like looking, looking like I've heard the term, like you are not your x-ray or whatever, you know, like you have a bulging disc or something like that and how that affects people at, on their path to getting healthy. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's, a you know, that's something that we deal with like every single day. So let's say for instance, like someone, and I always use the example of runners because I do treat a lot of runners and it's very easy to see like where the line of stress goes. But like, let's say a runner has back pain on a right side of back pain. And now alluded to what we were talking about before with KPIs, they might have like a disc bulge. They might have something that sounds really scary come up on the MRI. But let's say that on, you know, calf raises, they can do 15 calf raises. They can do double leg pogos, but they can't do single leg pogos. Um, maybe they do, I have them do elevated single leg hamstring bridges. I want to see 15. They can only do eight. Mm-hmm. And all of this on the right sides is way below what the left side is able to do. Then I tell them kind of connect the dots. Like, listen, these are the things that are, that are needed from, uh, from a readiness standpoint in order to get you running. But you're experiencing back pain. You know, I, I don't think it's your back, for instance. I think it's everything else that's just kind of underperforming because if you're taking the same amount of steps with both legs, why does only one side of your body really hurt? So I kind of deconstruct everything, break it down to the simplest points. Like this needs to get better. This needs to get better. This needs to get better. And this is going to put less stress to your back. Yeah. It, regardless if you get a surgery or not on your back, it's not going to change the fact that these these specific, um, you know, muscles and stuff like that are just underperforming from a capacity standpoint. Yeah. For sure. So that's how I kind of connect the dots and like make people feel empowered because I'm not going to give them a problem that they can't solve on their own. Yeah. I need to give them a problem. It doesn't, you know, whether you call it dysfunction or not, it just needs to be something that they have control of. Yeah. That they can do something about. Yeah. I think that last, well, you just used the word empowered. And I like that so much because, and you said this before too, that you're like, I am not the superhero who's going to fix you. It's, it, it always is in the person's, uh, you know, in in their ball court, like you said, and this is why I, again, just like how you said, you always use uh, running as a metaphor. Like I always use like fitness and weight loss as a metaphor, just because that's where I, I came from, but it's just such a perfect metaphor for everything else. It's a metaphor for life. That's why I enjoy fitness so much. It's just because exactly like you said, like I can show you all the things and I can tell you what's wrong and this, this and that, but it's like, but you have to do the thing you have to do the work. And I can't, I can't do that. And just because you might have something wrong, or, you know, some sort of quote unquote dysfunction, I'm doing air quotes for anyone listening, that that doesn't mean you're broken, right? That's, I think the big distinction is people like, like when I said before, you're not your MRI, that though I got that from, you know, someone I follow on Instagram where they're like, oh, like you'll, they'll get a, a MRI and it'll say you have a bulging disc, you have a slip disc or something. And now that person becomes like, oh, well, I have a slip disc. I, I can't lift a pencil off the floor, you know, because they let that thing take over them. You know, so I think that what you just said about empowering people and just letting them know, like, no, like you might have some things wrong. You might not be able, again, you're, you're, you might not be up to the KPI of I want 15, but you can only give me 10, but that's pretty close. And like, if you keep working on it, you're going to get there. And that's how you build uh, more resilient people. 
um, which I think is a, a really cool thing because I wanted to ask you next about your, I don't know if this is your program specifically, but I know you work with or something around the, the athletic adults program, right? And like yeah. helping to build athletic adults. And I wanted to know like, what, what is that exactly? And, and why is it so important? So, you know, the program for us is just to give better access to better training. And tra to us, training is rehab and rehab is training. Um, we're putting people through a program and it's taking them through every single thing that we do in the clinic. They're getting all, because it's not like I'm doing different exercises. I'm literally just seeing where you're at, plugging and playing, some modifications here and there, you know, based off people's like anthropometrics and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, you don't need a lot of new fancy exercises. People just got to get really good at the basics and bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So athletic adults is taking people through our athletic development model. How do you go from calf raise to running? How do you go from, you know, squats to jumping? All these little things, we bridge the gap from essentially basic body weight skills to more complex plyometrics. And then we do that over a, almost a three month span from people from all over the world. We give you two weekly live coaching sessions a week and you get three training sessions a week on your on your own the live coaching sessions are just the kind of troubleshoot stuff yeah if you will show you how to progress regress exercises so it's kind of like an i call it a more of a community uh -huh. than it is a, just a program itself you don't get a pdf and this is yeah. what you do i'll see you in three weeks <laughs> here i'm gonna take you from here to there yeah, but so so who is this like so an uh, athletic adults right like who is this aimed towards? Is this like for people coming out of rehab? Is this for injured people, or is this just you know a, what is your goal with this whole system and program? The goal for the program is to kind of get people that maybe you know, hey, I'm not in so much pain anymore, but like I haven't done really anything active in a little while, or I finish. PT, but I didn't really have any plyometrics and I don't feel like I'm ready to go play basketball or do something like that. So it's essentially taking people from, Hey, it's been 10 years since I worked out and I want to be able to safely introduce this so I can start, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, running again, so I can start playing with my kids and feel more confident again. So it's just giving people that might've had some sort of incident or they haven't had activity in a while and showing them how to start from scratch and build back up again. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. And I, I love that too, just because just the name athletic adults, I think is so important because I feel like people have this weird thing where it's like after 30, they think that like that it's all downhill. It's like, Oh, well, I'm 35 now, you know? And like, they just start to like accept things like, yeah, you know, my back hurts. I'm 36. It's like, what? That's like, that, that that's not how it has to be, you know? And like yeah. 30, 40, 50, these things are just numbers. Um, and I thought it was, uh, you know, so that's why I really in, enjoy, like I, I watch what you guys put out on social media and stuff. And I, I, think that that's such an important message to be sending and for people listening for anyone who is whatever age you know it doesn't matter again 50 60 70 these exercise is for everyone and that's you know it's fitness is for life this is like a lifetime thing so that's what that's like my whole thing where I, what i'm passionate about is like if you think that you know working out is just for when you're in high school and college to play football or something like that. And then after that, like you just get to sit on your ass for the next 80 years, like you're going to have a lot of, of disappointment ahead of you because that's just how people get dug into that, that hole of like, Oh yeah, now you're in dysfunction. Now you're in pain. It all comes from not moving. And I think that getting people back to being not just fit, but like, like, you're, like you're alluding to athletic. I think that that's an important thing, like things like plyometrics and explosive power and speed. And like, yeah, like, you know, walking on the treadmill or jogging is great, you know, but 
so is being able to do a box jump or so is being able to, you know, sprint. Um, I think that those are like super powerful things for people of all ages, uh, not just, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 year olds. Um, My next question though, again, I think that I I love people getting people like you on who have a very specific uh, mix of uh, expertise, you know, so being that you're a PT, but you're also, you know, you do more power lifting or uh, Olympic lifting, strength and conditioning kettlebells. I know you just finished your strong first, which is just like not, which is a super intense thing. Um, My question is like, where do you see the PT and fitness industry kind of meeting and moving towards in the future? Because I know that like, you know, I, I don't think that the, the rehab clinic of 20 years from now is going to look like the rehab clinic of 20 years ago, you know? Yes. Yeah, so the, the first thing I always think about is like, what's the biggest problem in the world right now? And that's like, I think it's the who said 80% of disease right now is lifestyle, due to lifestyle factors, you know, inactivity and all these things, metabolic syndrome, mm-hmm. which is essentially just meaning you're so inactive and all these markers are so bad mm-hmm. that now we're just going to call it a syndrome. Yeah. So, <laughs> you just made a name. Di- yeah. Diabetes, cancer, all these things, you can lower your risk with activity and exercise. Mm-hmm. So while you might have like mechanical back pain for three months, what's really going to help you in the long term? What's really going to be upstream for your overall health? Mm-hmm. And that's getting people to enjoy training or matter of fact, any kind of thing, mm-hmm. whether it's yoga, Zumba, it doesn't matter to me. I just mm-hmm. wanted you to keep moving. So in the future, I, I think rehab is just going to look a lot like training. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to work with trainers and you're going to figure out, hey, maybe you're going to see me. I'm going to talk to Paul and I'm going to tell Paul exactly what it is that he's going to have to modify so that you can keep doing what you do instead of, Hey, if that hurts, just stop doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, running is bad for your joints or Zumba is going to cause you back pain, whatever it is. I think rehab of the future is going to look more like a gym. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, I, I honestly think a lot of clinicians get left behind because if you look at the benefits of exercise, if that was like a pill, mm-hmm. everybody would be taking it without mm-hmm. a doubt. So I, it's only a matter of time before people get caught up with kind of the evidence and what it shows. And I think COVID has honestly exposed that even more because if you have comorbidities, your risk of infection is significantly higher. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the things that I'm looking at. And for me, it's more about behavior change than it is about, you know, getting everyone under a barbell and having them, you know, deadlift 500 pounds is just showing them that you're going to live a better quality of life. Who cares about how long you live? How, how well do you live those years? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm concerned with. Yes. I love that whole little spiel. Uh, anyone listening, go back, rewind that for two minutes and listen to that last bit again, because I think that's so important. That's where we're so in line is exactly that. It's like, and I've, I've gone through my own journey in this. Like I used to, if you would have asked me five years ago, I'd be like, no, you got to squat. You got to deadlift. You got it. Like, you know, like you strength training, that's bar. If your barbell isn't on your back, like you're messing up. But like, now it's exactly like you said, like, I don't care what you do. You want to do yoga. You want to go swimming. You want to do, you know, air Pilates or something like that. I don't care as long as you're moving because it's, as, as you just said, it's about so much more than just how much weight can you lift or whatever. It's about that quality of life. And it's such a direct A equals B thing where it's like, if you do this thing, your life will be better. And I don't think, I don't know anything else in our lives that 
that you can say that about except maybe even some people say might say like meditation or something like that but like ju- like there's nothing outside of fitness where it's like a hu- with 100 percent certainty if you get more fit now i'm not saying you have to become a bodybuilder but if you get at some level if you're at a certain level of fitness and you improve that level your life will inc- improve you know both inside and outside so i think that's just such a, a super powerful thing and i love the term you just used of upstream like upstreaming things can you yeah. Um, like elaborate a little bit more on, on what exactly you mean by that. So when I'm, when I'm talking about upstream, it's just like, how do we get rid of the problems before they even occur? Mm-hmm. You know, if we are trying to solve the problems where they become almost too much for society to handle, you know, now you see it like medical bills, hospitalization, all these things are like skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. We're spending so much more money on healthcare and no one's getting healthier mm-hmm. because the model right now is sick care. You don't get treated until you're sick. So that's what I mean by upstream is how can we get on top of these things that are governed by lifestyle factors? Because if we can get people to change their behaviors, then they're not going to get sick. Mm-hmm. But if they keep living the life they're going to live, then that's just going to rack up, you know, their healthcare costs, uh, disability, like the numbers are just getting higher and higher each year. So for me, it's like, why not solve things? And I, oh my gosh, the World Health Organization again released some crazy <laughs> notes like, 80% of teens now are even getting the physical activity guidelines. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So if it's starting at that young of an age, then just imagine what happens. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's like obese four-year-olds. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to the point to the, that this is the point, but it's exactly like you said, it's, it's a, it's a disease of, of lifestyle. And you said several times uh, already about, you know, behavior change. Right. And my thing is like, I understand that that is the answer. Right. But, the reason that it's that it's so hard is because people would rather wait until they're hurt so they could come to you so they can just go okay and just tell me what to do right let's just just give me the you know give me the 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 pill give me the thing give me the magic answer that's going to get take me back out of my pain because the behavior change aspect is involves upstreaming which means that you're tackling a problem that hasn't occurred yet so it's like i'm putting it you know i'm putting in a lot of effort and stuff but it's like that hasn't even happened yet do i know that it's even definitely going to happen but we know that it will but it's like that's this is all the uh, subconscious stuff that's going around in people's head and it's also a, it's a challenge it's all this stuff so my question is how do you i don't know cross that bridge of like we need to upstream things and we need to take care of the problem before it starts, but people don't want to do that. And they want to wait till the problem so they can get the quick fix or easy answer. You know, that, that's, I don't have a solution for that. You know what I mean? Like for me, that's something I tackle, try to tackle every day and it changes. And sometimes I fail. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of things that I'll think about is like, what could I have done differently with this person in order to kind of sell them on like, this is what they need to do. So this is, this is that's the most challenging part of rehab it's not building the perfect program because any program is going to work if you're undertrained. you just got to do the damn program yeah. um but for me it's just kind of figuring out where they're at sometimes there's barriers so we have to eliminate as many barriers as possible and it all starts with getting to know the person you know getting them time to talk and elaborate on what they believe is what they need to do if they have the beliefs that they know what they have to do then we just got to support them Mm-hmm. So just saying like simple things like how much time do you think you can dedicate to training mm-hmm. or to some movement, then they get to say the answer themselves. Like, Hey, you know, I can dedicate twice a, twice a week. I'm like, All right. So twice a week, how many minutes, hours are you talking about? And they say something like 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, then that's what we're going to work with. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell them like, Oh, that's not enough. Like 10 minutes is still going to be nothing. So it all starts with just following following where they're at and then guiding them along the way 
Uh, there's Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I really love. And, you know, if you're trying to get yourself to go to the gym, don't go to the gym right off the bat. You know, wake up and put on gym clothes. And then, you know, you, you put on gym clothes 30 days in a row, start walking to the gym every day and walking back home. The next 30 days, start going to the gym and do 10 push-ups. And then you feel silly for going into the gym for doing 10 push-ups and not doing a full workout. Then after that, you'll start doing a full workout. Mm -hmm. So it's just like starting these little trickle-down effects of building these better habits because you're trying to optimize a habit that isn't there. The first thing you need to do is set that foundation, then build on it. Having people doing these perfect programs when they only want to really dedicate 10 minutes at a time is not going to be conducive to change. So it's just trying to figure out where they're at and listen, you're not going to help everyone. And you're not going to change everyone's behavior. You can only equip them with tools. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at is how can I break down as many barriers as possible and support people as much as possible? Yeah, I love, I love all of that. Everything that you just said uh, was so on point and so, so actionable. And that this is really the important stuff because exactly like you said, it's like the, the writing, the program, like I was like, that's the easy stuff at this point. You know, it's like, it's again, there's textbooks for that. There's, you know, like, you know, this is why even this is why I stepped away from personal training because it's like, I, it's so uninteresting to me because it's like, you want to work a chest workout, go on YouTube. Like there's, there's so many of those things that don't go wrong with physical therapy. It's more, you actually have to, you know, there, there's more nuance to it, but I'm just saying that's the easy part. The hard part is how do we get the people to do the thing? And I, ask you that question, but I knew there's no answer to it because if you had that answer, you would be a much richer man. And so would I, you know, because everybody, you would have, you would have solved the world's, you know, uh, obesity epidemic and you would be very famous, you know? Um, but I like what you said about, there are certain key things in there that the, everything is individual, right? You, you said that right at the beginning, but there are certain things that we, that we know that we need. We need that, that belief in ourselves and that support. And you, you mentioned like, okay, like it, rather than rather than you telling a client, hey, you're going to work out X many times a week, that you are, would rather ask them, hey, how many times can you dedicate to, to working out to, 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 for the week? And then you kind of build that around them. And I think that's great because it builds that self-actualization, you know, um, and that, that's so important because it, going back to kind of what we spoke about in the beginning, where it's like, where, where you said like, oh, like, uh, you know, it was actually, it actually made you feel better to have more, um, more stuff to do or like to have like to, to be struggling a little bit more. It's like people think that they want to be force fed the answer, right? Like they think that they're, they're like, Oh, like, they like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But in reality, as humans, we have a need, a desire to fend for ourselves, right? That, that like the, the hierarchy of needs or whatever. So do you find that when you're able to help people find that thing themselves that they they're more likely to to do the thing or that like that they can't do it if you don't if you aren't feeding them you know the exact step-by-step process i think it you know when you're when you're talking and communicating with people it becomes a lot easier when they start to realize that they're capable of doing it Mm -hmm. for me that's a big thing because now there's so many rules to exercising Mm -hmm. do it this way not this way um get on a perfect program, do this, get this by this time, you know, maybe do this. Like there's just so many expectations and so many ways of doing it that people just get like, they don't know where to start. And that's where you get this decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like hmm, I'm going to start a program next week. Which one? I don't know. There's like a thousand <laughs> programs to get stronger. So, and everyone claims they're their best trainer. Everyone's a celebrity trainer. This guy's a cranio, facial, sacral, shoulder, whatever, fascial therapist. This one's a, this kind of therapist. And for me, it's just like, all right, you're going to get in the door. Yeah. <laughs> one thing, I'm going to get you stronger and I'm going to make you feel more capable. 
and I'm going to figure out what barriers there are and I'm going to keep trimming off the fat because yeah. I know that even if you're doing this exercise wrong based on my model of movement, stress is stress. You know, if I, <laughs> if it's still below your threshold of what you're able to tolerate, give it 48 hours and then I'm going to load you again. Mm -hmm. So it's same thing for me as it's, it's always going to be figuring out what's, what's preventing them from doing things on their own. Mm -hmm. If it's because they feel like, Oh, I, I don't want to do it wrong. Or if they don't want to, you know, do more harm. Like those are things that I have to attack and make them hey, like, Hey, just because you do it wrong or it looks ugly. We all know that you need some ugly reps before it looks good. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of where I go about it. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's like you said, building that, that confidence and that competence, right? And I, if uh, anyone listening, I go I have my very second episode of this podcast. I did all about goal setting. And one of my things with goal setting is like, we need those big goals that push us, right? Those like those far off in the future goals. But then we also need those small attainable goals in the short term. And that's how we build momentum and we build that confidence and that competence. So it's like, like you said, if, if your goal is to uh, maybe, I don't know, barbell deadlift or something like that. And it's like, you can't even, someone can't even bend over without pain. Like that might be a far thing, but now you teach them to hinge and then you teach them to hinge and grab a kettlebell. And then it's like, each of these things is slowly, but surely teaching them like, Oh, I can do this. Like this is, this isn't, I'm not broken. And I'm like, and it goes back to that self-talk stuff that we were talking about before. It's like, you have to, if you think that you're broken, you're probably going to remain that way. So the way you do things, the way you, you personally is, is so powerful, I think, because you understand that and you're not forcing them to do it like in your way. Like you just said, like, oh, they might not be uh, the, the thing that I would normally do, but you know, like I'm going to get you to the place where you're feeling the best and you're, you're strongest. And I think that that's like, people take anything from this. It's that if you're in another place in the world, if you're in New York city, you need physical therapy. Clearly you know who to go to now, but other places, you know, like these are the type of questions and these are the type of things that people need to be curious about and asking about when, when looking for a healthcare provider, you know, again, are they using lots of complicated jargon and, and over speaking you and making you confused? Are they making you feel worse or bad about yourself? Are they belittling you and putting you down like saying, no, don't do that. That's dumb. Or like, you know, like it's, it's crazy. People will talk about stuff like that. And I'll be like, that can't be real. Like someone will tell me an experience they had with like a doctor or a trainer or a, a, a healthcare provider in some way. And they'll be like, yeah, they yelled at me. And I'm just like, there's actually people who do that. But I, I mean, there are, but this is showing the other side of that coin, I guess. And that's showing that what it, what it's like to hear someone who really cares about people and who no matter what your thing, I can just tell from this conversation is to get the client, the patient, whatever, the best result and in, in whatever way and whatever route that has to take, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, and this is something that, you know, I, whenever it happens, I get goosebumps. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, there's not a single time where like when someone makes that change and someone has that change in mindset where they feel more capable, where they feel like they can do more. Like I literally get goosebumps. Like if I get that text message, like I feel selfish because I do this for me, you know, yeah. I want to feel good. Yeah. But like seeing that kind of text message, seeing people feel more capable, like it, it doesn't get old. Yeah. It always feels amazing to be able to give someone their life back. Yeah. Not just like anything. Like I, I want you to be able to do something that you didn't think you were able to do before. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's that, that. That really is it. And again, from a physical therapist to a nutrition coach to a personal trainer, anyone who's in this world will will resonate with that so strong. Because I remember, like, when, when that first happened to me it was when I first became a personal trainer, and I was like started at the gym, and I trained this older guy. So I remember his name. His name was Joseph, and he had like Parkinson's. He was like seventy five years old, and he was like, my doctor told me that I should strength train because it'll help delay like the onset of my Parkinson's. And we used to train on Fridays and Mondays, and we trained on a Monday one day, like after the weekend, and I'm just like talking to him, you know, like shooting this shit. Like, oh, how was your weekend or whatever? And he, and he just goes, he was like, you know, I was playing with my grandkids this weekend and my grandson ran at me and I lifted him up in the air and I kind of picked him up over my head and we were just playing. And he was like, and then I just had this thought. He was like, I, I never would have been able to do that before we started training. And like, that was like the thing that I was like, oh, like, I don't care about anything about, I don't care about getting people bigger biceps or like increasing someone's bench press or like, that's all stupid like this is what this stuff is all about is like i just made this guy who's 75 year old man like enjoy x many more years of his life with his grandkids it's like how could you ever want anything more than that um and i think that what you do and again just from this whole conversation it's very clear that you're making those changes with people even though i've never met any of your clients i'm sure that there are tons of stories like that going around because it just has to be you're doing the right thing no, and you made a great point. You know, what you did was essentially rehab him. Yeah. But you're not a physical therapist. I mean, like these are just things where it's, we all fall under that same realm of we're just getting people moving. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people need something more specific, but most of the time they just need to move. They just need yeah. to do things specific to what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I think that's so powerful for people to, to understand exactly. If you're listening to this, you know, even no matter what you're dealing with, movement is the answer movement is medicine you know whatever whatever thing you can be you can have you know even if you do have back pain knee pain shoulder pain there's other ways to move there's always something and the, the human body thrives off of movement and, and and more movement is almost never going to be a bad thing i can't think of any scenario where it would be in some realm of just just walking or just kind of moving a little bit would be a bad thing um so i want to uh start wrapping up here a little bit because I want to be respectful of your time. And, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, but my last few questions are just like kind of broader. What is, you know, the message about health fitness? You know, if you could get one message, like a short text message that you could send to every, every person in America who is out of shape and just not feeling good or whatever, like what, what is your message to people that you want to get out that about all of this, you know? That's so tough because <laughs> there's so many layers behind it, but I, I think it honestly be that you're just capable of more than you think. Mm-hmm. Cause awesome. when we started talking about like, what do we do as a physical therapist? What do we do as a company? I just tell people now, like, you know, my job is to, what, what I do is I just make you, I just make people do something that they don't think they're capable of doing. And that's pretty much like, summarizes what we do as a company we're just people we're just showing people that they're capable yeah and that's that's it that's a beautiful thing you know um i i love that and again i come back to why i love fitness as a metaphor for life so much because i think it's so powerful that exactly that that you fitness and getting stronger and being able to it's like you can literally take something that was once impossible like take someone who couldn't deadlift before they can't, like I've said, like go deadlift 300 pounds. They're like, that's impossible. I can't do it. It's literally impossible. If I try to do that, I will snap in half. And then with, you know, six months, a year, whatever of, of training, they can do that thing. So you just literally showed them that something that was impossible before now is possible. And the, the, the amount, what that changes for you physically 
is an amazing thing, but what it changes mentally by showing someone that they're able to do something that was once impossible, I think is even more of a benefit than the physical side might be. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, I, and I love that. I love that. You know, we, we can all uh, just be better. So now that, that was a, I, I think that's a great message and I, you did a good job of distilling it down uh, to a, a quick little text message. So, so that's awesome. Um, but my last question, and this is when I ask every person and I try to end every episode with an action step, something that people listening, as soon as this episode ends, can take one step towards living a happier, healthier life. Um, so what, what would you give and it can, be, it can be fitness or nutrition or just anything related. It can be what it can be rehab. It can be anything. It's just, just to live a healthier, happier life. I would say just take a step. Any step in the right direction is going to make you better than you were the day before. Mm-hmm. So for someone that's inactive, going for a walk is going to make you better. And sometimes it doesn't have to be far. It could just be one block, then take two blocks, then eventually three blocks. But just take the step, whether it's, I won't speak on nutrition just because uh, my sister's girlfriend, I mean, my, my girlfriend's sister is um, a nutri- dietitian. That's like a whole feel in itself. So I don't speak about it, but you know, there's usually these little steps that you can take and they're not hard, mm-hmm. but they'll compound if you keep doing it every single day. Mm-hmm. So take a step and don't miss more than two days without taking a step. Awesome. And that's all I got to say. Awesome. I think that's beautiful. And I, th- I love that because again, it's super actionable. It's the smallest step you can take and don't miss two days. If you set those as rules uh, you're, you're, again, a year from now, you're going to be in a crazy different place. So I think that that's a beautiful action step. Um, I just want to thank you for joining me. I think that this is a really good conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. I filled up my note card, I've taken too many notes already. So that means <laughs> that's a good place for me to stop. So I just want to uh, ask, just tell anyone listening uh, where they can get in contact with you and just more about what you're doing and you know what's going on with you. Yeah. So if you guys want to get in contact with me through Instagram, I usually respond to my DMs. I try to like a couple times a week. It's at Chen. If you want to book a schedule, an appointment, or just kind of hop on a call, see if we're qualified to help, you can reach out to us at www.reloadpt.com. Awesome. And you do uh, virtual PT as well, or this is only in person? Yep, we do virtual, virtual PT, in-person PT, uh, semi-private as well, training within those two. And we have athletic adults, which is we run, you know, three or four times a year. So that's going to be how you can kind of start working with us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for anyone listening, obviously, uh, if you have any problems or you just want to get in touch and involved, uh, reach out to you, Andy. Uh, Andy, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for this conversation. I really do think that people are going to learn a lot. Um, And have a great day. Everyone else, enjoy it. Appreciate you, brother. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Dr. Andy. Once again, if you want to learn more about Dr. Andy Chen, please check out his Instagram. The link is in the show notes, as well as if you want to check out his athletic adults program, or if you're going to be in New York City and looking for an awesome physical therapist, I can't recommend him and what he's doing highly enough. Please, once again, take a screenshot and share this to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me and tag Dr. Andy so we can see and know that you got some value out of it. If you're interested in getting on the wait list for my Mindset Shift six-week course, the link is in my bio for that as well. Hop in there and you'll get all the information that you need. As always, stay healthy, stay happy, and I will see you on the next episode.